0: Welcome to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. Your host is Andy Ford, one of today's leading innovators. Our show is about how ideas and technology come together to form the most buzzed-about products of the 21st century. Specifically, what goes into the thought process of these innovations and the channels they go through to get to the marketplace. Now, here is Andy Ford.
1: Welcome to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. I'm your host, Andy Ford. Joining me today are uh, two very special members of our innovation team, uh, Diane Schumacher and Jeff Berry. I'm going to get to those two guys in, in just a second Um, One of the things that we started talking about early on in this season, and this is our pilot season of of Innovation Insiders, which brings me to the fact that today we're not going to be taking any live emails about the show uh, or our guests because we're talking about all the guests that we've had so far and some of those insights that we've pulled, some of those learnings that we've had along the way. Uh, Some of those guests have included uh, people from uh, companies like Orca, uh, Anheuser-Busch, CKE, Chili's, Purina, Nestle, uh, just to name a few, uh, Frito-Lay. Uh, um, cannabis. Cannabis, <laughs> right. <A> cannabis, <laughs> cannabis, Don't forget that. Cannabis brands. Um, one of the things that we really uh, set out to do, and Jeff and Diane are going to introduce themselves in a minute, but one of the things that they have been doing uh, as producers, executive producers of this show has been listening, reviewing thinking about the guests uh, throughout. So they've been as much a part of the show uh, as I have. I've just been uh, sitting in front of a microphone. And one of the things that we decided to do uh, was to put our own active listening exercise against all of the interviews. That's something that we do at Brado. We recommend to our clients uh, to ask themselves is that what did you hear inside this, in our case is a course of research, but for this show, the interview, that was new? uh, What did you hear that confirmed what you already knew? And then what did you hear that's a conflict? And so today, we're going to address three of those at least. So this is the first part of a two-part show where we're going to get a chance to dive back into this pilot season and really uncover some of those deeper learnings uh, that we've been, uh, you know, privy to from Innovation Insiders. So with that, without further ado, Diane, would you please introduce yourself?
2: Um, I'm Diane Schumacher, and I'm a... Senior Director of Creative Strategy here at Brado.
1: And a long-tenured mean girl. We should say that right <laughs> up. the bat. Is, that
2: is true. That is, is true.
1: you work out well I,
2: I'd like to think I've evolved, but I probably haven't.
1: <laughs> you mean you've gotten better. Oh, yeah. yeah. Meaner.
3: <laughs> and I'm Jeff Barry, so a Director in Innovation here at Brado. I have a long-tenured career on the client side, working for big global CBG companies and their innovation groups. So, looking forward to the broadcast.
1: As we started diving into uh, these guests and really thinking about things that we heard uh, that were new, uh, things that confirmed what we kind of thought we might hear from them, and then, and this will be an interesting segment, things that conflicted with what we maybe thought we would hear. Um, it was surprising to me a little bit some of those new things that we heard. And I say surprising, I don't know what I expected to hear at the offset of this season, uh, but. Some of the things I didn't expect to sit, to hear. Uh, you know, Jeff or Diane, let's start with you. What did you hear first that was new? The,
2: the thing that stood out to me was how many of our insiders talked about the amount of salesmanship that goes into innovation. That, you know, not only are you selling your client, but you're selling an internal group. And you have to get them sort of acclimated and open to change. And a lot of times this change may even buck the system. That, that got the company or the client where they were today so it's it's you have to have these skills um <laughs> Rose Cameron our anthropologist had yeah. talked about how painful it is for um, for people to to face change but uh, you know, a lot of times they're willing to give up quick, so you got to keep the momentum yeah. going, and you got to keep them informed, and keep keep selling, 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 and then it ultimately ultimately culminated with Mitch Myers talking about she thought salesmanship was one of the most important things you could possibly learn in life. One even broader than that, when she's speaking to students, she says, "I tell them first thing you do when you graduate, get a sales job." Mm. So the, I, the Amount of people who brought that up was a big surprise to me. It I'm, makes sense. I'm going
1: to add on that, and Jeff, I'll ask you to add some pieces on that too. But I'm, I'm thinking about what Brody Dunn talked about, and you know, the tone that he brought up when it came to mm-hmm. communicating the need for new or different in the organization, I think ladders directly into salesmanship. I mean, you do have to be, and by the way, I think we, I, other business people, give sales a bad name sometimes. Is you're kind of in that regard where you're like, oh, it's a used car salesman. But nobody in our group talked about it like it was a degrading of their position. It was a necessity for innovation. You had to communicate the need for that adaptation. I don't know if
3: you on well, that. And I- I think Ellie said it best because she talked about you have to find a way to bring idea. Uh, you have to find a way to bring ideas in a way that they'll buy it internally. And so it wasn't about being the used car salesman. It was about knowing your audience yes. and knowing the orthodoxies that you'll face as you try and push innovation forward through your organization, and how you have to adapt to those changing circumstances at each step along the way. The other thing that I thought was interesting about this topic, Diane, was was the idea of. How many different and pretty divergent hats that an innovator has to wear from the dreamer, the anything's possible world, and then being able to quickly flip that switch and go into what are the realities of my organization, what are the political hurdles, and how do I sell through those hurdles to get my idea all the way into market to make a difference for my company or my organization?
1: Isn't that – there are 12, 11, 12,000 different paths –
3: to the innovation
1: i mean (laughs) all these people had a different course to get in but when you kind of back it all the way up to say that sales opportunity or the reason to believe for why this idea will work courage in some regards is it it's a different message depending on who you're talking to and which organization they were in and all of these people were i think in they were proactive in the way they evolved
3: and i i I spent a lot of time earlier in my career benchmarking best best practices in innovation. And I was always struck by how open people were and our guests were too in terms of how they do innovation. You know, here's how we do it. And and the reason is, and I think it's to your point, Andy, is that it's, it's not about the process, it's about can you make that process work inside your organization's unique culture, which means every organization has a different path to succeed and a different way to get it done. And so the fundamentals are oftentimes the same, but that path is so different. Yeah,
2: And sales really is all about passion. And I don't think there was a single innovator who didn't have the word passion on there. And when your passion comes through, it helps with your sales because you talk about that used car salesman thing. That's phony. This is real. Hmm. And everybody believes so strongly in what they hear because they do their homework. And we'll get into empathy later and how important that played. But that's part of what makes them the successful salesperson they are. Yeah. And Jeff, you talked about the organization being you need you need a little bit of this creativity, you need a little bit of that on the on the basic tools of business. Mitch Myers did it so well she called it the yin and the yang that within right. an with organization her her with her and her partner he's very childlike he's very inventive he's very new and yet she brought the, the discipline yeah. as well as the creativity but the discipline and all of that so that you wear many hats.
1: It's interesting though is when we start thinking about that uh, and this is something that we haven't spoken about but it just dawned on me is that I don't think any of the people that we had a conversation with this was something new to me that I didn't anticipate, but I should have. It felt like this was a group that was pretty self-aware. They knew, I mean, Mitch identified what she was good at. She identified what someone else was good at. I think all of the conversations that we had, no one felt like they were doing this in a silo. And IE, they knew what their strengths were. They knew where they needed other people to come in and buoy up their capabilities. And so for the most part, I would say. Something that was new to me was, you know, as brave and as courageous and as salesy as they needed to be. It was an overall fairly humble
3: group of individuals. Well, and I think if I remember, it was Matt that said, you know, bring the right people to the table at the right times to complement what you need for a particular project at a particular time in that project. And I think that speaks to uh, his his acknowledgement that he doesn't know it all, that he can't know it all. And he has to bring the right people in and be humble enough to recognize when and where.
1: So next thing is that I was really, really surprised. One of the new things I heard was that innovation is survival, not a luxury. To me, that was brand new because I've often felt like over the course of my career, which has been, you know, not as long as some of the people we talked to, but long enough to see Dips, swells in people trying to innovate and bring new, new product development or strategy. I've always thought, oh, when companies are doing well, then they think now it's time to innovate on the next phase. That's not the case. If you're not innovating, our group would
3: have told you. I think, then you're not surviving. True. True. There's 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 two facets to the survival to me that we heard. One was. One was the company survival, mm. and then the idea that just being an innovator every day is a game of survival, and because there's always, I, I forget who said it, maybe it was um, maybe it was David or Ruben, but they said, you know, there's always somebody chasing after you with a club trying to beat you. <laughs> That's and right. So, That's you right. know, that visual of survival inside the corporate office where somebody's right. chasing you down the hallway trying to beat you with a club is one, and then the idea of no one else is trying to push the organization forward. They're trying to manage the cash cows that exist today Uh, and renovate them. And that idea of if we're going to succeed long term as an organization, we have to do this.
1: So it's a duality. It's a personal survival. And then it's helping the company survive. Diane, what about anything else for you on this?
2: No, I'm going to get into it a little bit more when we get into the culture and the things that go into that um, along that line. But, yeah, this whole survival thing, because they're. It's just not survival. There's a lot of sort of regulations and lookouts and things along the way that that I learned that are really watch outs right. that I think our listeners are going to be enthralled with.
1: The other thing that I was, uh, and this is, and I want to make sure if you guys have any more before we close out on this segment. But uh, uh, another new element element to me was we had a question in our Innovators' Confession that was about. A shit disturbing moment, (laughs) which we've never, I don't think we've broke shit this early in any of our podcasts, (laughs) but this is the one. I thought when we wrote that question, and one of you guys wrote that question, before the show even started, I thought that was going to be a big aha, where they went, oh yeah, I have one moment in my mind. It turns out, it was not that big of a question because, and I think this is a summary of us really listening to all these, that's just how they live. Who they are. Who they are. It's a million
3: of those Their DNA. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, so they don't see it
3: as changing anything they just see it as who i am it's a tuesday right 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 that's what they said yeah
2: Yeah. and they said you know this whole thing is 24 7 it's not a title it's not a thing like that it is something you live and you it's part dna is is probably the best way to put it
1: yeah any other moments that were brand
2: new
3: to you guys i just i the idea of that innovators are kind of like are childlike in an adult world and they you know they get to, they come into the office all day long and they they dream and they work in places that have bean bags and colorful markers and all this <laughs> stuff. They just have this childlike sense of of joy and of uh, exploration but they're operating inside this adult kind of world. And so I'd never thought about it like that before, but you know I think it, Rose is talking about that some people will step over a cliff and mm-hmm. hope there's a ledge and that's, that's, kind of what a chi- that's kind of how a child goes through life. And
2: instead. the bad part of that was, and then there's other people waiting for you to smash your face.
3: Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> See, I always chalked it up to just us being immature,
1: but it turns out well, it's childlike wonder.
2: Childlike is much more
1: complimentary. <laughs> All right. You're listening to Innovation Insiders. This is uh, one of our uh, part one of our end of the season sort of a summary. Uh, stick around. I'll be right back with Jeff and Diane.
0: The Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping, whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Brado's innovation sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Brado, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifested itself in many ways transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful for more information visit brado.net b r a d o . n e t
1: the pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up innovative leaders driving thriving
3: organizations with maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders thought leaders and academics in a wide range of industries proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success tune in every tuesday
1: at 2 p.m eastern time 11 a.m pacific on voice america business have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always
0: free and easy are listening to innovation insiders with brado creative insight with andy ford for more information about brado please visit brado.net again that's b-r-a-d-o.net now back to the show
1: welcome back once again, this is innovation insiders in case the promo didn't alert you to who you were listening to, or maybe you had a mild stroke. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> if you just woke up and you're and you're listening to this show, my name is Andy Ford. with me is Diane Schumacher uh, and Jeff Barry. Uh, we represent uh, the innovation uh, team here at Brado, and we've had the luxury of listening to these interviews. Now, when it comes to this listening, exercise that that we bring our clients through one of the things that we ask is what confirms what you thought you were going to hear um as it relates to those interviews we've heard what's the big one jeff that you heard that just nailed what you kind of
3: expected but needed to hear and i I think it's in it's it's foundational to who brado is as an organization too that we heard consistently throughout all these interviews is is the idea of empathy and how important it is to know your customers know your consumers better than anybody else, almost better than they know themselves so that you can solve problems that they don't even necessarily know they have and see those because you know them and are so well embedded in it. Brody talked about it. I think the, the title of Brody's broadcast, his interview when we aired it, was all about knowing your consumers better than they know themselves.
1: Yeah,
3: and I felt like time in and out, uh, each
1: one of our interviewees brought up this point about you got to know what people want and it's not you know, to me when we talk about empathy and we can unpack that word for an entire segment right uh it, this is not just asking people what they want are you going to bring in a rose yes right, yes we'll talk about that now. yeah well what what i thought was great is
2: just like it's not just listening it's observing it's living it's being around them it's closing your eyes and just shutting up and letting them talk or letting them react or follow them around. Of course, she's an anthropologist, so of course this is, this is her bag. But still, it, and she wasn't the only one who said that. So it's not just the, the mundane of, of an interview. It's really, really getting into their lives. I think this
1: is, to me, and maybe this ladders up to who these people are at their core. But they are infinitely curious. I mean, you mm-hmm. talked about a childlike wonder in our last segment, Jeff, and we we tipped on that. But something about true empathetic um, pursuit is innately built in. I'm just really curious to know who or what moves or drives you. And so the sense I got from these guys, and I think to us in this world, I think it's a little bit overplayed. We hear a lot of people saying, "Oh, I'm just really love people." The, then they walk out of the research or walk out of Nethno and go, man, that place was garbage.
3: I mean, right? How many times right. have I heard
1: it? I've even, I've even said, that guy's a wackadoo. Right. right, right. But those people who really are empathetic, and I feel like this group was a group who represented that, they are just infinitely curious, with a lot of things. People being prime amongst that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, one of the things I've always tried to say is, you know, that cons, don't, you know, we don't want to make fun of consumers or whatever when we walk out of there because. The reason they said something or did something or live a certain way because it's meaningful for them. And so it might not make sense to us, but it makes sense to them in the way that they're doing whatever they're doing or saying whatever they're saying. And so it's our job, these guests' job, to truly understand why they did it. And it moves beyond. What what I love about that the way an innovator spins this is that it moves beyond just liking something Mm. because they know that, and they recognize that they can't just ask you to like something because what they're trying to present to you is something that you don't know if you like or not. And so you, you might exist. Right. So they have to know you at a deeper level Right. because they you don't recognize like or dislike at this point it's, in the game
1: to me and I want to, I want to get your take on this too because this is sort of like something that just dawned on me while we were talking is it seems like empathy true empathy makes room for I ha- did not expect that
2: well and isn't that always what we live for I, 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 you know how many times we go out and we do these projects or we do these workshops and we dig and we have these, I mean, almost aha moment doesn't do it justice right? because it's these revelations. It's these wonderful things that come out of nowhere and it just knocks your socks off and you go, wow, (laughs) this is it. This is part of the, you know, we heard them talk about the the uh, rewards and a lot of them are practical things. Like I started with an idea and I ended up seeing it on the shelf and that was really exciting. But a lot of it is, is to come at something and be blindsided by something new and exciting and relevant revelatory uh-huh. and it kind of just that is just why I do what I do that is yeah. why they do what they do it's
1: in, in a way they are and I don't want to I'm not trying to build this up bigger than it is but there's a little bit of modern Explorer in oh this group. yeah and maybe it's a little psyche maybe it's a little emotion maybe it's a little behavior but they are I think we all are looking for the brand new and and in this case, empathetic approach is even open to it's a brand new, maybe not a brand new. I like, but it's a brand new. that's it's something we can explore and dig into. Absolutely. Uh, so, it, Diane, how about you? Something that confirmed what you already at least had a, a supposition about.
2: Well, part of it is about the whole idea of it takes a village to do this. Thank you, Hillary. That's her. Well, I got to bring her up somehow, I'm desperately hanging on. But you actually started. You had a quote that uh, that said the culture of the company either enables or limits mm-hmm. innovation. And so we had a lot of discussion with a lot of people that talked about leadership and inclusion. And this also has a lot to do with the consumer. But you have to have leaders. Who are thinking about the future, who give their people permission mm-hmm. to behave the way we behave, and then uh, I guess one of my the the other idea is you know to involve as many people. Val Toothman from Anheuser-Busch said, involve as many people as you can early, get them up to speed, give them a voice, mm-hmm. and let them do what they need. That's internally, but then Rose, who has always some of the greatest greatest quotes ever said she said you can't operate solo it's it's inclusive because it's like watching a cat are you ready for that a cat go mental searching for its litter box because they end up shitting in the corners (laughs) and I mean it was like okay I totally get it because you need people to be together it's all about inclusion whether it's internally or the internal externally with the client or the the consumer, it's all about this, all operating at once.
1: I I, I haven't thought about that. I kind of want to add on to it in a minute. I don't know, Jeff, if you have any other piece about that culture. I mean, and and just to kind of build on this, and I want to talk a little bit about my executive producers and colleagues here in the innovation department, both have had experience in major corporations running down the path of marketing and innovation and finding alignment amongst teams. And so uh, amongst the three sitting here, we have all at least felt or represented some level of village inclusion or exclusion. I mean, you can't have one without the other. And we've all been on the other side of not being invited to the table, not having a voice and I should say a voice is not these people are internally empathetic, trying to find a way to build collaboration and, and, and a culture, but I think they're used to rejection. I think they at least have had been told no enough that they don't get devastated when it happens. No, they
2: keep going. And that's the interesting thing. Are they are right. they put it on hold? Right. You know, it's like maybe the time isn't right. They're pragmatic yeah. about their rejection. And yet there's this childlike right. I hate keep using that word, but desire to just keep it going, keep it going.
1: Yeah. Are they are they optimists? <clears throat> or is it is it to that point where they're just to your point, pragmatic?
3: Realists. Realist. Realist. I, I think there's I think it's some of both. And I think they have the ability to see the end, right? They, they, they know where they're going. And so in the middle of that, it's almost like Google maps on your way home from work <laughs> where it goes rerouting, you know, or it offers you like, Oh, traffic ahead. And so it gives you alternate routes. And right. so, but they always know they're go where they're going. And so when those roadblocks come up, when those convert, when the nose happen, which are inevitable, they're, they're already prepared to have to take a detour anyway. They know it's coming, so it doesn't surprise them. It's, it, it's interesting to me
1: that the flexibility that uh, our group, and I say, I say flexibility, if they've never said the word flexible, if you look at their career paths, you look at the roles they've had, if you look at the diversity of the products, the strategies, the teams they've worked on, there's no way you could describe all of those people as anything other than flexible. However, not conformists. So not flexible to the point where they just fit in anywhere they go. They are no. the people who are flexible against whatever system they are placed into, but they are the crazy ones. That's I think Matt's word. He
2: says, yeah. I look for, look for the crazies in the, the room. Crazies. And they they will at least be the base from which you which you operate. Right. But what's interesting too is They talked about to, while you're flexible and while you go places, you have to stay true to who you are. Mm -hmm. That was like an absolute – Ellie Doty talked about this so eloquently, so beautifully. But she said – and in fact, I got three amazing quotes from her having to do with know your boundaries, know where you can and can't go. That's not to say you can push it, but – she was talking about her, was it her KFC days yeah. when they were looking to expand the business and working? And a boss said to her, you know, you you can't parfait your way out of this. We're a chicken business, she said. And it's like, that's the pragmatic side. But then the dreamer of her said, okay, so let's keep going. Let's, let's find what we can. But a lot of times she said, you can only go one bridge, not five bridges from where you are. So you don't want to invent a whole new realm you you can't keep adding 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 and then you lose who you are i mean how many brands have we looked at that have had you know with today's demand of the of the young millennials wanting choice yeah. they've they've segmented themselves out of who they are
1: i mean, they, they have to your point how many companies have you of uh, of we worked on where they're like we want to get into business x and and you're like i don't think yeah. anybody's going to believe that guys I mean, you want to, you know, move yourself over into a an ancillary position. Right. And to Ellie's point, is that you're never going to. You can do it, but you're not going to grow your business selling dessert. No. Right. You know, not not at a you know chicken establishment. I mean, you're going to make you can make a nice little tidy sum on the side. But this is not how you dig your way out.
2: Right. And you don't know, go know. chasing shiny objects, she said, which yeah. I thought was pretty amazing. Because now today, nowadays you're looking for trends. You're yeah. looking for demographics. And, and I think even Rose said, don't get hooked on
1: demographics. Don't get hooked on generations. Yeah, I want to talk about that's a great point, Diane. I think I want to get into when we, immediately when we come back out of break. Great. is One of the things I kind of expected we would hear a little bit more of, and we didn't, was about trends yeah and let's talk about demographic and some of the things that maybe caught us not off guard but just it was a nice little aha so you're listening innovation insiders uh, once again i'm with diane schumacher and jeff berry stick around when we come back we're going to blow your mind with the things you did not expect
0: voice america business network the bottom line in business. The Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping, whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Grotto's Innovation Sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Grotto, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself in many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit Brado.net. B-R-A-D-O.net. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
1: Now you don't have to stay linked
0: to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World or Android Market. are listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit brado.net. Again, that's b r a d o.net. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Innovation Insiders. We are today part 1 of a two-part uh, segment uh, where we're talking about uh, that active listening is if you'd have listened to and I know you did all of our shows and if you haven't what the hell (laughs) mom pay attention i need some help here um if you haven't listened to all these i do recommend you give them all a listen because it's been really quality in my opinion conversation and if you are interested in a career in innovation or how to implement this uh, from a small business to a large business i mean i really feel like these are active Sorry, really great measures or tips or ideas for that. Uh, and more of that will come out as we get into episode two, right? But one of the things we ask in an active listening drill, besides what did you hear that was new, what did you hear that confirmed, which we just covered in the last two seconds. In this segment, we ask that question, what did you hear that conflicted with what you thought you were going to hear or learn coming into this? Now, this was a possible dangerous place for us to go. Because this is not a, conf- a conflict, i.e., they're wrong. This is a, I just did not expect that to come through these kinds of conversations. And we had quite a few of them. And so, I mean, Diane or Jeff, I'll start with you. What was something you heard? There was a was a 180, it came in from right field. It was a conflict on what you thought you might hear.
2: We have spent, I have spent a lot of time noticing all of the press and brouhaha over artificial intelligence and technology and all that. And yet, every one of them talked about the consumer mm-hmm. and how valuable that consumer. You know, technology alone is not part of innovation. It It isn't all of innovation. You know, it's a tool, but there is a human application that is critical. You know, it gets back to our conversation about You know, Rose saying, you know, you got to get into the trenches, you know, shut up and just look and and watch and and observe and and all of those things that are important to where the consumer, you got to listen to them because their needs are what are their needs, their wants, their desires are what going to be your clues to
1: success, uh, no matter what it is. I'm going to add on to that because when I went into break, I was talking about one of the things I kind of thought I would hear would be about trends, and we just didn't hear a lot of that. Now, Val Toothman said, you got to pay attention to the macro and the micro trends, and I think all these people were aware, but if I would have listened to all these interviews, one of the trends that I would say this group is low-key predicting is the return to human.
2: Yes. Or analog.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Or real customer service. I think Ruben Alcarez talked about that. I mean, this was the idea of
3: people connecting with people is is a movement. Jeff? Uh, absolutely. I, I think the uh, we've gone from a marketplace that is so – became so centered around the, the big box store and then the Amazons and then the chat rooms and social media – you get this sense that people have begun to lose a sense of personal connection with one another. And so you've seen that pendulum swing back in New York city, the Hudson Hudson rail project where it's business, living, shopping all in one place. People want a sense of community now. And so you, you feel that human connection coming back into what's important to people and companies trying to make sure they're part of that.
1: It's, it's also interesting, too, you know, Diana, thinking about this right now, uh, you talk about AI, or let's talk about machine learning. Imagine, we went to the conference this year. Uh, what is the conference we went to
3: up in New York? was analytics, started. yeah.
1: Analytics, which was, I mean, really honestly should have been like just neck deep in tech, technology, and the things that really matter. Blockchain is another one now that our customers are talking about quite a bit. When it comes down to this group, and these people are game changers and trying to move the needle – it's not that they don't acknowledge those things are important, but they think the more important aspect, the more meaningful aspect is people to people, you know, eyeballs to eyeballs, right. watching what uh, folks do, not just what they say, and certainly not their their uh, just their click strokes. Not that they would remove that element of di- of, da- of data, but it's not as important as the human.
2: That's right. That's right. Um and even demographics. You know, I thought it was interesting. I it was. It was Brody who talked about demographics. You know, don't get too caught up in demographics. It's people, because you can have a mixture of people of ages and genders and ethnicities and all that. But it's comes down to people. Yeah. And understanding people.
3: Right. So, I, 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 we were having a roundtable before the broadcast about this. And it's something that I think is really interesting because one of the, the tools that are being used more and more and more today, in addition to, like, all the technology out there, AI and blockchain and all that stuff, but the tools being used to learn about people are becoming online communities and online surveys and all of these, you know, big data kind of scenarios to learn about people. And yet these people didn't go there at all. They went and said <laughs> it's about touching people, being with people, living in their in their world. And we had this discussion amongst the three of us of, wait a minute, if that's where like all the technology's headed, then why are innovators kind of living in the stone? Age? Are they living in the stone age kind of where they're still going out and spending time in people's right. homes or are innovators actually way out front of, the, of yeah. what's coming, which is they truly understand that to, to do this right, you have to be with them. I think it's interesting, too, because I mean, I'll, I'll look at and I'll name a couple
1: of people in that group that we interviewed, um, because I know some of their business and their business practices. Uh, Ruben Alcarez might be one of the biggest proponents of big data that that I've met. I mean, if you you know him and we've worked together on this case, um, Ellie Doty and that team is trying to pursue analytics to move their business. I mean, Frito-Lay is no less of an example. Orca, Budweiser, I mean, you name all these. Right. They are absolutely incorporating data. And to hear, to not hear it, man, I just back, to not hear it, them talking about people understanding true empathy and experience, to me that tells, that, that says, we've not hit critical mass on the data side. It's that these people are out front in front fighting for the human. They're saying, don't forget, this is still a people business we innovate, not a numbers business.
2: Well, they're the customer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's that
1: simple. It when,
2: is. When I think about, we did that one major project years ago, Andy and mm. I were on it. It was about uh, urban millennial packaging for a very well-known beer company. But the <laughs> the interesting thing about it is, and our client was on board, which made, you know, a lot of this a lot easier. But it was like, we're not starting with packaging. Yeah. We're going backwards. And we are going to dissect, live, breathe the urban millennials, before we even move forward. And God love them for that. I mean, that was one of, probably one of the most wonderful projects I've ever worked
1: on. I do love diving into people's lives. like Yeah. That. Before you just say, ta- let's tackle the a six pack. No, mm-hmm.
3: no, no, no. Back up and tell me about their life.
2: The insight. What are you learning?
3: You. I'll cut you off, Jeff. Oh, no, i say it just dawns on me that we had an absolute perfect example of this AI kind of scenario, which was Matt Homan, one of the... Companies he founded was Invisible Girlfriend and Boyfriend, (laughs) which was all about... That was a conflict. I did not see that coming either. (laughs) I know, which is all about leveraging AI to create a fake personal connection. That's the whole thing he's trying to represent. And the guy that founded the company was talking about, if you'll remember, that he knew it was AI that was communicating with him. And he felt the need when he was out at a party to respond, text back his fake girlfriend even though he knew he founded the company. And so it just it brings a full circle for me that AI is a tool that created a per, that creates the sense of a personal connection. Yeah. And so data and all that stuff sits behind the scenes and ultimately it's about that connection.
2: But wasn't Matt ultimately the guy who said at the end um, it's it's when we talked about surprise me in 5 years he's the one who said we're going back to analog.
3: Yeah, yeah it, it analog. is. Yeah, yeah.
2: So talk about having both both worlds and seeing it. I think
1: that's because uh, Matt ultimately believes that uh, we live in this post-apocalyptic society. And he's <laughs> really looking forward to <laughs> honing his... Uh,
3: his hunt and gatherer skills. He's, he's got a large collection of rotary phones yeah, he's got, he wants to bring he's, back.
1: He's
2: sitting on a
3: boatload <laughs> of
1: uh, typewriters. Beepers, <laughs> typewriters.
2: He's the beeper you
1: know, like, king of St. Louis. How many hipsters would we make happy if we just said we're going back to analog? And they are like, finally, a reason to wind my watch without everybody looking at me like I'm a dick. <laughs> you know, one of the things that kind of hit me uh, as a conflict, and, it, and I don't know why it did, but it was a nice... It was a nice, uh, right, hard, right turn for me. Is in the innovator's confession, a couple of questions that we ask um, revolve around who or what company, other than their own, was the most innovative. And I I mean, I really thought we would hear fairly consistently Amazon, Tesla, Apple. Apple. I mean, and we did not. As a matter of fact, we heard, uh, I mean, who do we hear? Uh, uh, directors. We heard people who we've never heard of uh, before. I mean, there have been... There- Quentin Tarantino. Oh, oh, Dodge. 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 Great that was examples. a great story. By the way, and super valid, right? I mean, every one of them. Nobody came out of left field to say whether well, innovative to me. Right. No. These actually had true, I think, game-changing sort of pieces behind it. I mean, your guys take on
3: that inconsistency. So for... For me, the thread that ties all of them together real simply is is that no matter who they were, no matter what company they represented, they were they were calling out people who constantly challenged the status quo and constantly challenged orthodoxies. Quentin Tarantino, no one was directing movies like Quentin Tarantino did or was today. Yeah. And so in you know Dodge going in a world of fuel efficiency and electric cars, we're going we're gonna to go over the top with a muscle car that guzzles gas is challenging status quo and challenging the orthodoxy. And I think that's what they all were talking about. And while
2: Dodge was challenging that, they were also very true to who they were. Right. Very, they knew very who they were. They knew what made them great. But they made it even better right. in ways that probably the consumer never thought about them. And I forget who brought up Dodge because they were... Brody. Brody loved muscle cars. So one was
1: Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Somebody else was... uh, Alibaba was one. Oh, who said Lyft? Oh, yes. From a culture point of view. They wanted to see what they did in in light of what Uber was going through and what they were doing.
2: Could they take an opportunity and make it work for them? Also, they were... He described them as a classic case of being second to the market.
1: Yeah, that's good.
2: Which I thought was... Uh, an intriguing way to think about them.
1: It, to me, I, I really felt like there would be more consistency in that because I think I anticipated, if you asked me that question, which is always the problem with your expectations or assumptions, I see today, is that I thought I would answer that based on the evidence in the marketplace. You know, so look alone. And it turns out that this path innovation, the same way none of them had the same take on it, I would uh, posture that. They also don't have the same criteria for how they measure it. So innovation, in and of itself, could be measured organizationally. Lift. it could be measured based on the brand or the way they represent themselves. And I'd say that's Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. I right? would say staying true to their culture and yet modifying their delivery. Dodge, and then Amazon. Amazon's getting into every business, and a lot of people said that was innovation. So that's sort of my take on that difference. And I, I, that's how I'm rationalizing it in my head. I don't know if you guys have any
3: better way to, better way to do that. I, I think they were... No, I, I agree. They were all reimagining something. Yeah. They weren't just iterating. They were reimagining what, what the space is that could could be, whether it was Amazon or Quentin Tarantino or Lyft or... All these guys are, are just reimagining the world as it exists today.
1: All right. We're about to go to break, and my co-hosts don't know this, but when we come back um. for our last segment... We just hit with an active listening skill, right? And so I'm going to ask them what they heard and what they felt like were some of the best parts, the most challenging parts, and some of those uh, happy ah ahas for them personally throughout the process that we went through. you're listening to Innovation Insiders, we'll be right back after this.
0: the Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping, whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Brado's innovation sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Brado, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself. In many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit brado.net, B-R-A-D-O Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at
2: VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. V.A. Press
0: Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to innovation insiders with brado creative insight with andy ford for more information about brado please visit brado.net again that's b-r-a-d-o.net now back to the show
1: welcome back to innovation insiders uh you've got uh first of second of two shows uh, that are really pulling together all of the uh learning that we've had a chance to experience uh, and listen to through these interviews over this pilot season. Uh, Going to break, I I surprised Jeff and Diane by saying uh, we've been doing an active listening drill based on everything that they've heard. Now my question to you two, and I'll include (laughs) on this, is that what did you learn about this process? Not just listening to their interviews, but overall, in us conducting this series, what was something that was not confirmed what you thought? I'm start with what was new or you didn't expect to learn?
2: Like the whole thing?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I remember when this brainchild happened and you said, I want you to be the one of the producers. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so the whole thing was new to begin with.
1: I mean, Jeff, you, you
3: talked about this. I mean, just briefly. Well, I just as I said we we've never recorded a radio show before, and within a matter of minutes, somebody said, "Yeah, you guys want to do this radio show?" And as true innovators, we said, "All right, challenge accepted. Yeah, let's <laughs> go. Not, nothing's insurmountable. It goes back to we'll figure out a. We know where we're trying to go. We'll figure out a way to get it done. Yeah. And so here we are today. It, I, so you know,
1: just meet complete transparency, which is another thing that we really dive into here and love. Is Voice America, the company that produces this show, came to us and said, "Hey, how would you like to host a show?" And and we went, "No, that doesn't <laughs> sound like something we want to do at all." And then once we really thought about it, we went, "Okay." And then that first show with Andrew Lackman, you guys remember that? I mean, that was that was difficult. That was treading water. I mean, I felt like I felt like I don't think we know. I don't. I know. I'll say from my point of view. I don't know what I'm doing.
2: Well, it. It showed you were terrible. <laughs>
1: you got much better. And then, speaking about having a team, I mean, the folks from Voice America gave us coaching, pulled us aside, said, hey, what about X, Y, and Z? Help monitor that process. Uh, so, for me, one of those things that I did not expect is that it would be this difficult to get our corporate guests. And not, and not from their perspective, but from their company's perspective. And they're different re- organizations. I mean, every not everybody, shouldn't say that, but a lot of companies are very, very leery of, and I guess I have to use this in quotes now, media types, which I don't even think we are, asking them questions. I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised by that, but to me it was like, oh, wow, this is difficult for them to get on the show.
2: Well, our initial guess, I mean, we had 10, 11 of them. Well, I bet we had twenty who said, "I would love to do it, but I can't. I can't, I can't right. get permission. Legal won't give me permission. Right. Things like that." So there's a there's a lot of uh, obstacles that never dawned on me, yeah. because we were talking about not them in
1: particular necessarily. Companies' innovation necessarily.
3: Right. Right. Well, and this was a you know something that was conflicts for you, but it was also part of a confirm for me, which is it confirmed how passionate people are about this topic and how much people love to sit around and riff about this topic. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this moment where you're like, are we just the weird ones sitting over in the corner of the office who are constantly dreaming and constantly riffing and constantly coming up with crazy things. Yes. By the way. Well, yeah, probably.
0: And for
2: our listening audience, we call our section of the office, the land of the misfit toys.
3: (laughs) But, but the idea that it, it confirmed that there's the passion to talk about this and the passion to think and do and push the world and organizations a different places there, and yet there are those orthodoxies that we ran into with getting people who desperately wanted to be on the program getting those roadblocks put up and saying, no, yeah you can't. I,
1: and I will say there's another thing that was uh, a little bit interesting for me, a little bit, is that first and foremost, I was very surprised and – and even in those guests who were very careful to me, I felt like they were very forthcoming with information and not necessarily like, it's not trade secret stuff, but I really felt like there'd be a lot more redaction or don't, no, I can't say that, or no, I can't answer that question. And by the way, we didn't hit them with hardball questions. I mean, we were really just trying to learn, not, fun not pin people to the wall, but I gotta be honest, I'm surprised we got a lot of forthright answers. I mean- I can't think of anybody who held back. No. No, and a lot of different answers. Yeah.
2: I mean, it wasn't like the usual pat answer that innovation's all about yeah, creating yeah. blah blah blah. It was just deep and and insightful to use to use that word. Um yeah. it was but different, diverse, diverse ideas which confirms our thoughts about innovation being its it can go in so many directions in so many ways.
1: Yeah. The other thing that I thought was uh, an aha for me, and I'll let you guys build or or change on this was, you know, I did not anticipate the number of listeners and the number of impressions that this would make. I really honestly thought, okay, we're going to get the same 30 people listening to this, you know, for 10, 11, 12, 13 weeks. That'll be it. Uh, You can look at the numbers, you can look at how we've shared this thing socially, And the impressions that content makes, in my opinion, is pretty undeniable.
3: Absolutely. And not just in the United States. The the, world. The listenership has been global to people listening and learning, which kind of comes back to something we've talked about earlier, which is there's some version of a, a universal language, a global language around innovation that we've seen in terms of how people view consumers in this world and how people view Innovation and people wanting to learn across the world. What are those best practices, and how do I how do how do I do them? Mm-hmm. And that there's been an application across all of those, and the messages we've gotten from people around the globe. Yeah, it, it, did it change your perspective on our guests? And, and
1: when I and I mean our guests, not them as individuals, but when you start thinking about those conversations we've had, and there have been some uniform things, some uniform moments. Did it change or confirm? the way you feel about them, as in some cases, colleagues, and in other cases, clients. I mean, we work for or with these folks. By having an in-depth listening or conversation with them, did it did it adjust your perspective at all?
2: Well, there were a couple of them I wanted to apply for a job. <laughs> um, because they were just so... Have
3: or want you know, now. Let's, let's I'm speaking
2: a hypothetically. But just the the level of passion just was so infectious. Yeah, that uh, was hard to ignore.
3: I, I also, I mean, I think it gives us some empathy from our side of the, you know, the aisle, if you will, in terms of what are all those things that are happening inside these organizations that we don't necessarily see from the outside all day long, and we as innovators that are all listening to this should be aware of of when we're engaging with a client or when we're engaging in an innovation project. Understanding all those things help us help them do right. a better job and navigate all these things that we've been talking about.
1: It, it is, it, I have to say, that's what it did for me. Is I, I felt like I have been some, at least I like to be someone who's at least empathetic <laughs> or try to be understanding of that's what you're going through. Like that's what you're going through. But I can admit there are moments in time when I go, man, come on, man, we gotta move on this. And I, having had these conversations and know the layers that it takes to get through, I, I honestly, I have a lot more leeway to go, I'm sure someone's working on it and trying to get clearance, adherence, somebody to buy in with that. Um, we're right up near the end of our show, part one of part two. Now, part two, uh, just to set up our listeners and why you should tune in next week, is us diving into some of those great moments, those favorite quotes, those, those episodes and those pieces that hit us very poignantly or I think potentially meaningfully in in a different way, and also where we think the applications are. In in some cases, we are going to be able to tease out after these conversations, these are next steps for you as an innovator. This is where you could go. This is what you need to consider. And this is how you need to evaluate those elements. So it's going to be a very learning episode uh, for everyone. We appreciate, by the way, thank you, Jeff. Thank you for Diane for sitting in a very tight booth (laughs) and, and doing this show with us. Uh, We'll be back next week with part two uh, of the uh, uh, Inside uh, Innovation Insiders, right? Is that what it's called? Yes. Innovation Insiders with Rado Creative Insight. Until then, have a great week.
0: you for listening this week to Innovation Insiders with Grotto Creative Insight. Please join host Andy Ford again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, Innovate.